You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. It's Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers, and my friend David Erfley joins me today. He just arrived back at his home in California from the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit in uh, beautiful Beaver Creek, Colorado, up in the mountains. Dave, you go there and you meet with all the CEOs and executives of the company you uh, invest in. Also see a lot of colleagues in the space. And so we'll just jump right into it. Tell us about sentiment in the sector as you kind of gleaned from the CEOs and got the sentiment also from investors when you were there, please. Yeah, it was it was on the dower side, Bill. You know, um, it depends on which management team you talk to. You know, if you're talking to a management team that uh, doesn't have a lot of cash in the bank, and uh, the market sees that that, that they're probably going to have to 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 go to the market hat in hand, their share price is su- suffering even more than others, and um, they're not too happy. They're frustrated. Uh, but if you talk to uh, you talk to management teams of companies that have done the right things as far as capital preservation, as far as raising money at the right time when their stock when, when their stock price was was higher. Um, and they've done they've done a good job of conserving capital while this has been happening. And the market sees that they don't need to raise capital anytime soon. They're, you know, they're upbeat. You know, they they're, you know, they're they're very positive about the future of their project. So um, it all depends on who you talk to, who I talk to. But I talked to a lot. I had I had almost 25 meetings. So, you know, it's it's speed dating with miners. You know, you got 25 <laughs> minutes to talk to them. And and um, and as you said, that the setting is beautiful, but it's it's high altitude. And, you know, if you have a, if you have a meeting uh, scheduled from one end of the conference to the other and you have to rush to get there and go upstairs and get, you get there and you're kind of out of breath and and uh it's uh it's kind of challenging but it, it was the first conference conference i'd been to in a couple of years so i was very excited to, to attend it was great to catch up with colleagues and friends and it was too bad i didn't see you there but um you know it was it, it was nice it was it was you know it but it but it's kind of best of times and worst of times for the sector. You know, best of times if, if you got a lot of cash in and you're, you're looking for deals, you know, you got plenty of time to, to sharpen your pencil and do a lot of due diligence before you before you invest your money. Uh, so um, it's, it's interesting what's happening right now. So I wasn't at Beaver Creek, as you said, but I have been talking to the CEOs of companies I invest in. And to your point, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I said, okay, what are we going to do? Are you going to take the little money that you have and try to create a catalyst, drill some holes? And then part of the response from some of them, Dave, is like, well, even if I do that, Bill, I don't even think the market's going to reward me. So the struggle is, is it even wise to spend a little money to advance the project if it's not going to even help the share price to raise money at a higher point in the future? So they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Um, Anything more you can add on that, Dave? Absolutely. You know, um, the few um, exploration plays that I have, you know, um, I, I cut off, I, 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 I sold all my earlier stage exploration companies a long time ago, but I still have a couple that are, that are more exploration uh, driven. They, they do have um, defined deposits, but they're more exploration driven and they've cut down their, ex, you know, their exploration considerably. They cut down their drill rigs, but they did raise money. And they do, and they do have enough cash uh, for the next twelve months. But um, you know, uh, I, I, I understand what they're going through. I mean, even if you, even if you have success at the drill bit, 
and you release those results. At this point right now, the in 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 the in the sector, those those uh, news releases are being used as liquidity liquidity events to be sold for tax loss. So you know, I mean, even Bonanza grade results, you know, even if they are rewarded right away, you you see the pop come off pretty quickly as uh, investors that are waiting for a higher share price to sell for tax loss come in and sell. Uh, you know, because right now, um, you know, everybody's worried about that Maginot line in gold, which is that sixteen seventy five price. You know, everybody's focused on that. So it's it's basically the difference between um, gold price remaining in a bull market or morphing into a bear market. And that's, and that, that's what, that's what everybody's focus is on. And so the level you're looking at is about that 1675. I had a technician on the show recently. He's looking at about 1500 to 1450. He thinks gold will get down there before it really begins to take off. However, at the same time, he's very bullish on silver. When silver dipped below 18, he said he thinks that's the bottom. I'm speaking of Nick Santiago for my faithful mm-hmm. listeners. Uh, mm-hmm. Your thoughts on those comments, Dave? Yeah, I mean, but I have a hard time seeing the, the silver price going higher and the gold price going lower at the same time. I, I, I have a hard time seeing a situation like that. But anything's possible in this market, you know, in, in this sector. But yes, what you're seeing right now that's, that is that is bullish is um, the silver price showing strong relative strength to the gold price and also the miners showing relative strength to not only the gold price, uh, but the stock market. Uh, today and Friday, you're seeing um, a decoupling of of the, of the mining sector from the stock market. Um, you know that's that's not a trend yet. You know that's just that's just two days. You know as as we head into the to the Fed decision in, in a few days here. But um, I don't know if you read my article from last Friday. Um, I talked about uh, the seven year gold stock bottoming cycle, um, which is a very is a very interesting interesting thing to, 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 to get into because when you had um, the secular bull market begin in the year 2001, it started at a double bottom of 250 and the gold stocks were at a, at a major low. And um, seven years later, they made another major low in, in 2008 during the global financial crisis. And then seven years later in, two, in late 2015, they made another major low. And in 2015 is, is is an interesting time to bring up because that's kind of like what we what I, what it feels like right now. This feels like uh, the not only the attitude but the technical situation and what we're waiting for that we were waiting for in 2015. When I was at the at the Beaver Creek conference in 2000 September 2015, the mining sector was making uh, was in the process uh, of making uh, a six month accumulative bottom. Of course, at that time we didn't know that, but you know the the GDX had gone down eighty five percent. You know after the after the HUI had gone up sixteen hundred percent in a decade. So it was a you know it was a it was a brutal bear market, and um, everybody was focused on the Fed hiking rates for the first time since since they went to zero in global financial crisis, and a thousand dollar level was was the level, right? Because that was basically the fifty percent retracement from from the uh, just below $1,000 was a 50% retracement from the 1925 high that it made in 2011. So we were all waiting for that to, to happen. Of course, it never happened. Gold bottomed at 1045. And then a month later, the shorts started to, the, the shorts that had cleaned up for the past four years in mining stocks started to cover it and started, started a huge bull move 
in, in the GDX and the GDXJ, and you had many um, juniors go up 10, 15 times in just six months. So we're, we're kind of in a, we're, we're in a sentiment situation like that. You know, we're in a technical situation like that in the gold market. But right now, for the, for the gold price, it's 1675 That's the, the line everybody's looking at, which is a 38% retracement from the, from the August high after the doubling of the gold price in four years. So that's what everybody's looking at. 1675 you've got i can't find an analyst that that, that is not predicting the gold price is going to break this this line and um just like in in late 2015 we've got a very overcrowded bearish boat and on, on the flip side of that right now we have a very overcrowded bullish boat in the dollar index which is showing negative divergence in the rsi as the, as the dollar continues to go higher it's it's, it's extremely overbought and you've got everybody and his brother saying the dollar is going to keep going higher, while you've got everybody and his brother saying the gold price is going to keep going lower. Um, in the meantime, we've got that seven-year gold stock cycle in the background. So it's seven years later, it's 2022. But the thing is, is we just don't know where it's going to bottom if this if this uh, seven-year cycle plays out again this year. Um, I think it's it's really close right now, and and the trigger could be the Fed here on Wednesday. Um, we could very easily see a buy the news type of situation because, um, you know, everybody's waiting for this sort of Damocles, this, this, the, this move below 1675. And I did an interview um, at, with Kidco at the conference, the day gold traded below 1675 and started to run those stops, but all the selling was absorbed. It did not close the day below 1675. It did not close the week below 1675. Obviously, it's waiting for a catalyst for that to happen. And that catalyst could be the Fed to either break it or or have a huge short covering. And the Fed would break it with a 100 basis point rise? Would that I be something? so, but that's, that's not even close to being priced in. So uh, that would be a huge surprise to the market, which the Fed does not want to do. The S&P 500 just broke... Uh, uh, Critical support at 3,900. It's, it's still trading below there. Uh, that's a lower low. So um, um, I would not, you know, I, I, would, I think you would have to see at the uh, a, a full basis point rate hike at least 50 to 60 percent priced in before they'd even consider it. And it's about 18 percent priced in right now, as far as the CME Fed watch is, is, is concerned. So I don't see that happening. But of course, everybody keys on what the Fed says after they hike rates. So let's say they they hike the 75 basis point rate hike. It's probably not going to move the market much. They're going to be waiting to see what Powell has to say 30 minutes later during the press conference. That's that's what's going to move the market. And so mining stocks, do you expect them to head upwards in anticipation of the pivot, the dovish move uh, of the Fed, perhaps Q1 next year? Is that one of the possibilities that you're anticipating? It depends on, on, I think it, a lot depends on the stock market's reaction because let's face it, the Fed's basically raising rates in a recession right now. That's, that's never happened before. You know, as much as the White House, you know, changes the definition of recession, you know, um, as far as I'm concerned, we're still in a recession. We, 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 I mean, we are already in the beginnings of a recession. So if the, the Q3, um, you know, GDP comes out negative, that's three consecutive you know, two consecutive quarters is already historically, technically considered we're in a recession. So if, if the stock market 
if the S and P 500 gets down to 3,200, and that's there's that's critical support. So if if the S and P 500 loses critical support at 3,200, then I would see the Fed's going to have to going to have to at least stop raising rates, and then start you know, start jobbing about a pivot in the future. Because I mean that's what the Fed does. You know they they go they go really far in both directions before something breaks. And then they and then they and then they start doing damage control. So um, you know, they basically Powell basically came out and said that you know um, that um, we're going to destroy demand, you know, because we're going to keep raising rates. We have to, you know, we have to get the inflation down. And they think that raising rates is going to get the inflation down. I mean, that's and that's politically what they need to do because if they don't do that, it doesn't look like they're trying to fight inflation. But it's not working. And, you know, because inflation is going up and for reasons that they can't control, you know, these supply chain issues, these, these you know, these huge Chinese cities, the $21 million, uh, 21 million population city, you know, is in lockdown right now. Um, so you've got all, you can't you can't lock down. I think the politicians are creating false scarcity, though, Dave, like with energy yeah. and things like that, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you can't lock down all these, you know, all these economies and then start them back up again and accept and expect everything to go smoothly. Um, so all the mo- all the money creation and all of the and, and the supply chain issues is creating all this inflation and, and the Fed can't do anything about that. Hmm. So if you get a new potential junior mining stock investor, you're talking to them in light of this macro situation and where we're at, we think in the cycle, what would be your advice? Avoid by GDXJ alone? <laughs> I mean, like, well, I mean, if, if, if you're new to this sector, it's a great time to start accumulating. But you have to make sure that you're accumulating the right stocks. It's a stock picker's market here because, you know, like I said, it's a lot like 2015, late 2015. And what we were waiting for in 2015 was consolidation to take place. And it really never happened. You know, we had that pop and all these crappy companies got financed along with the good ones. So, you know. That you know that was the, that was another buzzword at the conference. You know this time was consolidation. We need to we need to see consolidation. I um, mean, you know, there's been some companies that that have merged, but we haven't seen you know we haven't seen enough of that. We've seen a, a few companies go bankrupt, but we haven't seen you know we haven't seen a lot. Um, there's still too many. There's still too many lifestyle juniors in this sector, and too many juniors. That need that would that that are close to other juniors. They need they need to merge, right? But it's and it's and it's a lot of its egos and it's a, and it's a lot of its. They continue to do these finances to keep the lights on, you know. So be be very wary of that. If you see a company raising a million bucks or five hundred thousand dollars or something, you know, that's something you want to avoid. That that's just a keep the lights on raise. You want to you want to avoid that. So um, the good news is we did see, you know, we saw a few bot deals at, well, at the conference. You know, there hasn't been a lot of bot deals recently. Uh, I think there was maybe one last one in July, none in August. So we had two while we were at the conference. We had Marathon Gold do a bot deal and then Skeena Resources do a bot deal. Um, I, full, full disclosure, I'm, I'm a shareholder of both. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's tough out there to raise money. It's, it's, it's pretty tight. And... You know, usually we see during right after right after these two conferences in Colorado, the the Beaver Creek conference followed by the Denver Gold Forum, which is taking place right now. You start to see some merge, some some M and A activity, but I don't know if we're going to see much this time because there's, the share prices are just too low. 
Do you think sometimes the junior mining CEOs believe they're so undervalued that they're resistant when the majors or the mid-tiers want meetings with them at these conferences, right? I wouldn't want to sell at these levels if I were the CEO. Well, I don't know about what meetings, but, 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 you know, a lot of them will talk to anybody, but, you know, they'll be hesitant. They're like, no, I'm not selling this price. You know, personally, you know, I've, you know, they're thinking I've got my skin in the game and, you know, my, my average cost is, is not much higher or lower than the share price is right now. And if they come in with a, with a 50%, you know, offer, you know, of course I have to take it to the board. I have to present it to the shareholder. Personally, I wouldn't want to sell at that price. So I'm going to do everything to dissuade them not to take it. That's, that's how, what they're thinking is I've, you know, that's always the first question I ask, right. Is when I talk to these management teams, how much skin in the game you have and what's your average cost? You know, I want to make sure that they're, that they are aligned with me. Just like I do in my, in my in my in my newsletter, you know, I do the same thing. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna promote a stock that I don't own myself, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to get in at the same time I do because I'm gonna so I'll, so I'll tell you about it before I get into it, so we can kind of all try to get into it at the same price. So I want to be just just like I want my subscribers to be, you know, me to be fully aligned with my subscribers. I want management team to be fully aligned with me if I'm gonna get into their stock, and you know. A lot of them, they've paid they've paid more than what the share price is trading at right now. So you could be you can be sure that they're going to that they're that they're very mindful of dilution. You know, there's started to be uh, some creative financings coming up. We had one while while the conference was was taking place. West Haven West Haven Gold was exploring up in 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 DC uh, in, in, in the bottom of the Golden Triangle. They sold a two percent NSR to Franklin, Nevada, to cash up at a non the non diluted finance, and they only took six million dollars for it. You know, and then Franco also bought another million dollars Canadian of shares at the same time. Now, my sponsored Torque Resources. Did you see that one? Goldfields yes. came in with fifteen million dollars at a twenty three percent premium. That's yes. the kind of financing you want at a, at a depressed level, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> as long as they're not giving too much of the project away. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that's another thing you want to ask, you know, I mean, you're depressed here. You, 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 if you get a, an offer from a major for 19.9%, would you do it here? They're like, no, I don't want to give away that much of my project. I'll do a 9.9% maybe, right? I'll take, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sell 9.9% of the project, right? but not 20%. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 a very interesting time here because, like I said, it feels a lot like late 2015, but in late 2015, nobody had cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's there's plenty of companies now that still have a lot of cash because there was there was quite a lot of cash raised in 2020 and 2021 and early this year. Dave, I I know some um, management teams give themselves a pay cut when we get into situations such as we're facing here, was that a question you asked CEOs when you had 25 meetings? Like, Hey, are you uh, cutting your own salary here until things turn around? Yes. Okay. Yes. And there was one company I talked to where they're not getting paid at all. <laughs> so are they telling the market that besides you asking? Um, I haven't seen where they're telling the market that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, when these guys have, 15, 20, 25%, own 15, 20, 25% of the company, you know, they're doing everything they can make sure that when they have to raise money, it's, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to kill their share price. They're running it like owners, not managers, right? (laughs) 
Exactly. And that's what, and that's the companies you want to be in. You know, you've got, you've got the opportunity here to, to make sure to do the proper due diligence to find out that. And, um, you know, take some of, take, take some money that, you know, you're not afraid to lose and put it in a company like that. And, um, if the sector has another pop, like the, like the last four times, the, the GDX to S&P ratio was trading down at this level. You know, the, the GDX to S&P ratio is tra- now trading down at a level that created a bottom in late 2015, in 2018, into, in March 2020. It's at the same level right now. And after each, each time it reached this level, we had a multi-month move in the sector that, that saw a lot of these juniors go up 10, 15 times. So it's just a good time to have patience, have faith, and have cash. And by all means, don't use margin in this sector at all. I mean, a lot of people are, are learning a lesson. If, if they use margin, you know, the past few years to, to get into this sector, you know, they're not feeling very well. You know, Dave Lotan, a strategic, strategic investor who's been on the show, he basically says junior mining stocks are inherently a call option. So like you don't need more margin, right? They are a call Absolutely. option. <laughs> Absolutely. And that goes, that goes, that goes the same. If you're, if you're high net worth investor and you're considering getting in, into a private placement, it's like most of these companies are, are, are trading in perpetual share warrant, warrant share prices. So why take the extra risk? And getting into a private placement, if if a lot of these shares are already trading at these <laughs> at these low prices, you know, uh, as far as a U.S. investor, that's how I feel because you know how how draconian they made these rules for us U.S. Yes. investors for private placement. So, um, I'm I'm out of the private placement business for the time being until I start to see the sector turn around. Dave, uh, one more question before you go. So you had these 25 or so meetings. Um, you don't have to name names unless you want to, but for the sake of learning, could you share with my audience, what were some of the reasons that would have caused you to sell a position within your portfolio after you exited a meeting with a company, just for the sake of learning? Okay. Um, well, the company, um, they're getting low on cash. And if I ask them, what are their options on raising cash? If it's another dilutive finance at this, after, after their share price is taken a, you know, 75% haircut, that's something I would sell. Um, but if it's maybe a bridge loan from a high net worth, you know, um, high profile investor that I know is paid, uh, is, is, has an average cost, cost of, of, um, more than where the share price is now, something, a situation like that, I'd say, okay, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, it, it, it's, it's a company specific, you know, a, a question like that. I mean, it could be something going on in the jurisdiction. And it's the I'm intangibles too, that you take away from the meeting too, right? right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's, it's such, you know, it's so important to, to not just talk to these management teams on Zoom calls. You know, if you, if you have the chance to go to a conference and have a one-on-one meeting with them, it's, that's even better. Especially if you run into them at, at a reception, they've had a few drinks in them. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe you get a little more information that you, that you were able to get in the meeting. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's always, it's always nice to be, you know, uh, in person, 
in these meetings at these conferences. Yep. Well, David's website is juniorminerjunkiewithay.com. He's a professional investor and one of my key mentors over the last seven years. So David, thanks for the update on the Beaver Creek Conference and how you're managing your portfolio and seeing the sector. I really appreciate your insights. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And hopefully uh, in a month, it'll it'll be uh, a little more bullish for us. Definitely. We'll be touching base in a month. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.